Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. God to minister to us tonight. Lord, we love you this evening. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house. We thank you for the glory of the Holy Ghost that touches our lives when we gather. I'm asking you tonight, Lord, to let the power of the spirit of your word touch our hearts and our lives and strengthen us together. In the name of Jesus, let the presence of your word and the power of your word pierce and penetrate our heart tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And may the Lord bless you. I'm going to forewarn you that uh, we don't do a lot of audience participation stuff, I know. I ask you to kind of say a few things with me, but I'm going to do that tonight. And, uh, and I'm not just doing it for uh, the sake of doing it, but I just want us to get a hold of something this evening. started last Wednesday night talking about the Lord's Prayer, and uh, I want to just pick up from there again. The book of Luke, chapter 11, verse number 1 And uh, verse number two, the Bible says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so instructively, the Lord said to him in verse two, to them in verse two, he said unto them, when you pray, say, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in earth, so as in, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. And uh, this evening, I want to just take the first portion of this prayer. I want to talk about the first two things of this prayer, and that is, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Would you say that with me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen, let's do that again. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. For many people, for many people, this is a very, very familiar prayer, a very familiar pattern of prayer. Last week, as we began to talk about this again, uh, without being bashful, I don't mind to tell you that we've talked about the Lord's Prayer many times through the years. But as we consider this passage of scripture, I'm just gonna ask you again to open your eyes to the insights of the pattern of prayer. And uh, God always helps us discover nuggets along the way. Just yesterday morning, I was reading through the book of Proverbs, reading the 16th chapter of Proverbs yesterday, and just one of the scriptures just kind of jumped off the page right in my head, and I thought, how in the world is it that I have never been able to kind of see that little nugget of truth? It was just like from a different angle, a different day, the sun kind of shining at a different angle. It glistened just a little bit different. I wanted to just stop what I was doing and take a little look into that, and so I know that the Lord can do that again tonight. When we think about the subject of prayer, we can often get intimidated about 
uh, about prayer in, in and of itself and we can be honest about that. I think that sometimes that many people feel that that's what other people have the ability to do but we don't necessarily have the ability to do. Because I've, I've listened to some people pray and I don't mean that as in a sense of eavesdropping but just listen to some people pray and it just seems like they are very gifted in the art of prayer. They kind of know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. And and uh, so I, I want to kind of approach that. I'll uh, be careful here tonight, but I believe that it's obvious that some people are born with a greater propensity to some things than perhaps other things. And so if we just used singing as an example, some people are gifted singers. Just some children, they come into this world and they know how to carry a tune. They they know how to sing in time and on beat and, and it's just a gift. No, no, no parent could really take credit for that. We just know that God has just blessed them and so they come into this world uh, with the ability to sing. But that doesn't give those who are less gifted or talented, that doesn't give us a, a license to just say, well, I'm not gonna participate in singing because I'm not a gifted singer. So during the song service, we all sing and the good ones cover up the bad ones. Amen. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, but, uh, but we all sing. We just participate because we're, we're called to sing. And so when we're singing, we're look, we look back and, and so we're all just praising the Lord in song and that doesn't mean that everyone necessarily has the strength of singing or the gift of singing. And so uh, I think the gifted and the non-gifted, so to speak, alike, that's just kind of a food for thought thing. And I, I don't think that we should look at someone who really has, it seems in our mind and opinion at least, that they really have the strength of prayer nailed down in their life and think, well, I can just be a non-participant and try to live in the overflow with someone else. I think that uh, if you would just remind yourself of that the next time you wanna kind of withdraw yourself from corporate prayer. I believe that our faith is found in our voice, in our mouth, and that we need to speak uh, what is in our heart in prayer. I, I know there's times for silent prayer and times for quiet prayer, but I, believe, I don't believe that's all the time. I believe that the violent take it by force that we need to pray a prayer. The Lord's prayer, as I said last Wednesday night, is not a prayer to recite. It is a pattern, a guideline, and, and if, this will, if this teaching series will bless you in any way, shape, form, or fashion, it will be worth the journey because I appreciate the pattern of the Lord's prayer. So we're not gonna try to stretch this out for uh, just an unreasonable amount of time, but I don't wanna just pass by it so fast that we miss the importance of a few nuggets that are here. So tonight we're gonna to consider the fatherhood of the Lord and we're gonna consider the holiness of the Lord. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's say that. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter eight verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is kind of drilling down, verse number 16, that we are the children of God. Verse 17 drills down a little more. And if children, 
then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified, also glorified together. Amen. Notice that this model of prayer begins with a very powerful sense of worship. And I believe that our prayers, I know there are crisis prayers. I understand there's crisis prayers where we don't really have time to warm up. <laughs> We've got a crisis on our hands and we just need to call on the name of the Lord and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But our model of prayer as a prayer life and getting consistent with a prayer life, we should not just rush into our prayer with a list of our needs. Now, the word of God and gives us clear direction that we can come before him with prayer and supplication. So we don't have to be ashamed that we have needs or to present those needs, those needs to the Lord, but, but we need to reverently come before God's presence and worship him. Amen, I think that we should take the time to, to give what we've done here tonight, praise and adoration unto the Lord. Song service and our praise and worship service is not an entertainment time, but it is a time to magnify the name of the Lord and to lift him up. I mean, we began to sing a moment ago and I asked them just a few moments ago, I wanna end the service with a song we were singing just a moment ago about the holiness of the Lord, the power of God. He is holy by nature. The word worship means that God is worthy or he is deserving of our praise. And so this is not about whether we feel like praising. This is not about whether everything was stacked in my direction today and I had a good enough day that I think I'll participate in praise and worship. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. We are coming not because God has given us every little thing on our to-do list or our want list, but because he's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. Prayer, prayer this kind of prayer trains us and I don't mind using that word. It trains us, it teaches us to focus on God alone. Amen, it shows us that there is more to the reality that we're living in than what we can see right now with our eyes. And so when we say our Father, which art in heaven, we express the supremacy of our Father. Amen, that there is a world beyond this world. I grew up here in the song. I understand that maybe everybody doesn't know it, but I grew up here in the song. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And I don't think people were singing it just to clap because they liked the beat of the, or the tune of the song, but there was something that resonates in the heart of people that understand we're pilgrims and sojourners. We're just passing through this life and what I may not have in this life, I'll have that and more in the life to come. This world is not my home. So this statement places our prayer into the context of worship and adoration and it also identifies that this is not our stopping point. We're just passing through. We're just passing by. We often become preoccupied sometimes with our human existence and it's just the nature of everyone. And I'm not being unkind because I'm talking to the man holding the microphone as well. I was convicted many years ago and challenged by Brother Jerry Dean when he said, and we sing the song, this world is not our home, but he said, if we really believe that, we are sure driving our tent stakes down pretty far. 
we're sure driving our tent stakes pretty deep in the ground while we're singing this world is not my home. And so I pray that we can understand that beyond this human existence, there is a world to come, a life beyond this life. No more pain, no more sorrow. One man said it best when he said, when we pray, what we're really doing is we're just calling home. <laughs> I'm just making a phone call home. I'm just kind of tagging in, just touching base, just wanted to hear your voice, Lord. We don't want, uh, we don't know a lot about heaven, amen, but we do know this, that God is preparing us a place. I know we have descriptions of heaven, but we can't comprehend that. Let's just be honest. We don't really know a lot about heaven. We know what the Bible declares, but I can't wrap my little finite mind around that kind of majesty. But I know this, that the Lord said if he went away, he was going to prepare a place for me. Amen, heaven sometimes seems like a far off distant place. It seems two or three worlds away. But I know one thing, God is both not only there, but he is with me here. I'm looking forward to being in heaven, but you know what, I don't have to wait till I get there to enjoy the power and the presence of the Lord. Praise God. I'm not informing you of anything, but we felt a little bit of heaven since we began this service. Just a little sliver, just a little slice of what heaven is going to be like. And so prayer is as close as you can get to heaven. The next best thing to being there, to be in the presence of the Lord. We shouldn't look at prayer as a drudgery. It's something we gotta do. Something like doing the laundry, like mowing the yard, just kind of a chore. Another thing to check off of our day. But I wanna, I, I, if I haven't talked to my wife in a little while, I wanna call. I wanna just hear her voice. I just want to make sure everything's all right. Furthermore, I want her to hear my voice and that's what I consider prayer to be. If I hadn't talked to the Lord in a little while, I not only want to hear his voice, but I want him to hear my voice because I don't want him to forget this voice. I don't want him to forget that. So when we pray the Lord's prayer, our Father, our reminds me every time I say that, that I am not alone. Amen. I'm, I'm reminded that I'm not alone tonight because I can look out and see your beautiful smiling faces. But there are times when our world, the clouds are hanging low and things are not going our way and we can't figure out one end from the other. And I'm glad I can say our father. I am not in this by myself. It reminds me that I am in a family. I'm in a body. It shows us that we have a connection not only to God, but we have a connection to others. This prayer unites the church. It expresses a profound unity for each and every one of us, the fellowship of believers. I need you and you need me. Amen, we need one another. And so it's the appreciation that of the body of Christ, that appreciation for one another that stretches beyond uh, economic lines, it stretches beyond social lines. It stretches beyond it stretches beyond racial boundaries. Amen. We need one another. It doesn't matter what you're wearing tonight. It doesn't matter what you drove to church or how you got here. It doesn't matter how much money you may or may not have in the bank. Those things do not matter. What matters is that we are a part of the body of Christ. Amen. We don't have some people that park on this side of the church and some that park on that side of the church and some that sit over here, some that sit over there. But I'm gonna tell you this evening, we are in the body of Christ. 
Hallelujah. And I'm glad I'm not alone. Our Father, our Father. Amen. I'm thankful prior to Jesus' birth, most people would not dare presume to address God as their Father. In truth, I'm, I'm being very honest with you. But when Jesus came, he changed all of that. In the Old Testament, God was spoken of as a father, certainly references as a father, but there were no examples of anyone using that term or using that word to address him as our father. Now, the reason for that is because of it, it seeming to be or be perceived as just too familiar with God. It was through the work of Jesus Christ that we are privileged to call him and refer to him as our father. Amen. He's not remote. He's not way off somewhere. He is with us. He is in us. Praise God. And so we believe to talk to God on the basis of this relationship. I can go to him and talk to him about anything because he is my father. He is my father. And so those who don't pray are attempting to live life apart from this relationship with God. Yet those who pray know him not only as a, not only as a loving father, but as an involved father. And so as God's children, we know that we don't address God. He's not the boss. He's my father. Amen. Amen. He's not a dictator. He's not a judge. He's not sitting waiting for me to make an error where he can just kind of smudge me right off the map. But father, father's a family word. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. It's a specific title. I, I, we, we do not pray to some anonymous God. And I want to tell you tonight that we're not even praying to a higher power. Although he's a higher power, but we're not just praying to an anonymous God, some higher power somewhere. We are not trusting in fate. We are not hoping all is well. We're not crossing our fingers. We're not holding our breath. We're not wishing for the best. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 133, David said, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Our prayer, our prayer is not, I sure hope the wind blows my direction tomorrow. I sure hope the rain comes down on me tomorrow. I hope the sun shines my way tomorrow. Our prayer is, Lord, order my steps in your word. And I pray, oh God, don't let any iniquity have dominion over me. Hallelujah. In the book of First Chronicles chapter 10, first number... Uh, First Chronicles chapter four and verse number 10, Jabez called on the name of the Lord. What a powerful, very, very succinct prayer, but don't be off put by its short nature. Don't be off put because it's not given about 44 chapters for Jabez to say what was on his heart. Jabez called on the name of the Lord and he said this, these four things that thou wouldest bless me indeed, enlarge my coast, that thy hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil. <laughs> and God granted him that which he requested. 
I'm gonna tell you today, please, whatever you do, don't get so lost in those first three because this is where our name it and claim it crowd is getting so caught up, amen, that you would just bless me indeed and that you would enlarge my coast and that your hand might be with me. I want God to do all of those things, but I'm gonna tell you that if God blesses me and enlarges my coast and if his hand is with me and on me, but he doesn't keep me and guard me from evil, then the first three won't matter. But if God will bless me, <laughs> and if he will touch me and if he will enlarge my coast while he hedges me in by his powerful hand of protection, all will be well. We're not living our lives, ladies and gentlemen, on fate. We're not hoping for the best, wishing for the best. We're not rolling the dice. We're not playing the lottery. No, 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 no. Our Father, which art in heaven. Let's say that. Our Father, which art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Praise God. So we talk directly to God. We're not praying to saints. I say this with great kindness. We're not praying to Mary. We're talking to our Father. I'm not trying to get you to talk to him for me. We're not slipping notes to one another like we did in, in elementary school. Give write this note, give this note to this girl, get your best friend to give this note to this girl. I like you, do you like me? Please check yes or no. Don't act like you didn't do that. We didn't even have the courage to hand them the note. Went through three or four hands, little homing pigeons there trying to get it back. Amen. But we are talking to our Father. I am praying to him because he's my Father. I've got a right to do that. The, and so we're talking to him. God is our father implies this intimate relationship of trust. Paul describes our positions as members of God's family in his letter to Galatians. And I just mentioned a couple. Galatians 3 and 26, for ye are the children of God. In chapter four and verse six, he calls us sons. Amen, so there's this family connection and I can't bring all these scriptures tonight, so I'm just trying to hit them as quickly as I can. In Romans, Paul also says that we have been adopted into God's family and received by that adoption the spirit of sonship. Just because God's fatherhood, just because of this, doesn't mean that we are, of course, free to just be overly casual. I had a very good relationship with my dad, but I understood he's my dad. And so I, I wasn't afraid to talk to him or ashamed to talk to him about anything, but I also understood that I needed to under, I needed to keep clear lines who he is and the position that he has and the title that he has. And so just like we're expected to do so and honor our earthly parents and respect them, I believe that while we're talking about it, I want to kind of pull down the barriers of, uh, of being afraid or ashamed or, or intimidated to talk to God, but I don't want to pull it down so far that we think we can just do any old thing in any old way. I think we should always approach God with great reverence. Paul said that we would refer to him as Abba Father. That word is translated daddy. However, it's used in that culture, not only by the young, but also by the adults, children in Israel. It was a common form of, a, of address to say daddy. Amen. My point is this, is that we should feel comfortable in the presence of God 
but that doesn't warrant being nonchalant. Uh, hallelujah. Some people refer to God as the man upstairs or the big guy, or you've heard a dozen of those little cliches. I'm gonna tell you, he's so much more than that. Amen, don't talk about my father that way. Don't talk about my daddy that way. He's not the big man. He's not the man upstairs. He's not this or he's not that. I've gotta be reminded that he is my friend, but he's not my pal. Amen, he's my father. I can speak to him, but he's not my buddy. Amen, because he's my father and my father needs to have the latitude to say no. My father needs to have the latitude to say not that way, this way. My, my father needs to have veto power. Does that make sense? Amen, I want, I want to be careful here. I need to address something that's kind of a, understand a sensitive in nature, or at least can be. And so I speak about this next thing with great deference. I realize that we're hammering away here on the father and fatherhood and that wonderful role that a father should play and that position that a father should hold. And I realize that tonight that while we're talking about this, for some people, the concept of God as a father has been damaged. The concept and the position of a father has been somewhat damaged, either uh, maybe damaged or distorted by perhaps a bad example or maybe it's been characterized in your life by rejection or maybe even from abandonment or abuse. I understand that and I speak with great deference to wherever you may have fit into that particular puzzle. And so I don't wanna talk about father and how wonderful fathers are and that just kind of conjure up negative images in your mind of something tragic or horrible in your past. I just want you to, what, to understand that what we're reaching for, if your literal father wasn't that way, I'm talking about what a father should be. And so if I can just say this tonight, so rather than let the enemy, rather than let Satan blur that line for you, it ought to be real easy for us tonight if that was not, if that was not played out in a clear, concise way in our life to understand what a father should be. I understand that statistics tell us that abused, abused children grow up often to be abusers and I don't understand the psychology of all of that because it would seem it should be the complete opposite. It would seem like absentee or absentee, yes, perhaps in this case fathers, in the life of a young man would put something in that young man to say whatever the case, come what may. I understand I'm swimming upstream tonight, I get it. I understand what the statistics tell us, the opposite of that, but I believe something ought to be hammered in our heart, in our soul, so I say tonight, when we talk about our Father, I'm not trying to get you to come up with some bad images, just think about what the Lord is to us tonight. He's been a friend, he's been a faithful companion, he's loved me and embraced me when he should have rejected me, or could have rejected me. I'm thankful, amen, God is everything that a father should be. And so for those who have had perhaps abusive fathers or out of the pocket fathers, God wants to be the father you never had. Psalm 68, David says that he would be a father to the fatherless. Amen. So God does not possess the weaknesses or the failings or even the inconsistencies of human fathers. Because he is identified as our father, this explains our motive to pray 
in the first place. A common objection to prayer is this, that since God already knows what I need, why didn't he just fix it? Why didn't he just go ahead and, you know, he knows all things, sees all things, understands all things. But we pray because we have a family relationship. The Lord wants to be asked for the things that he longs to do. So we don't just have to talk about fathers in this context for just a moment. We could talk about fathers or mothers and sometimes there are things you long for your ch- to give or to do for your children. You just want them to ask. Not beg, not grovel, not jump through 14 hoops, but just ask. And isn't it gratifying to be able to meet that need? Don't please let your mind run too far away. I'm not talking about spoiling people beyond reason. I'm just talking about meeting needs. Just to help, maybe with the smallest thing. They can't quite reach that. Daddy, would you would you get that for me? And it's rewarding to be able to reach up and pull that down into their reach, into their grasp. Help them to lift something too heavy. Steady their steps when they're unsure. Carry them. Carry them in moments. It's just a wonderful thing. And so our prayers in turn prepare us to to give, to receive what the Lord is wanting to give. And so when we call the Lord our Father, we identify ourselves as children. (laughs) Absolutely. Amen. Without saying it, we are identifying ourselves when we say Father. And so we're confessing that he alone is our sovereign Lord. And and in this opening statement, we find that this imagery of, of not only the family of God, but we also have the image of the kingdom of God. And I'm thankful to be a part of both. Very humble to be a part of both. I'm glad for this family of God that we have right here. It's been apostolic church. We identify ourselves as a family of God. But you know what? If I thought this was all there was to it, amen, I, I, we, would be, we would be selling ourselves somewhat short. I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom of God, those that we have yet to meet. There are those that we have yet to meet until the trumpet sounds. I'm glad our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's say it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The Lord's prayer gives us an outward focus. It teaches us to look beyond just us and our needs. Our prayers are oftentimes selfish. You don't have to say amen to that, but it's still true. I don't have to confess to that, but it's still true. Our prayers sometimes are self-centered. Amen, it's fine, obviously, to offer our personal needs to the Lord, but we need to pray about the needs of others. Our beginning word, our, our Father, reminds us that we're part of the Uh, we're part of the body of Christ. And so if you don't have a prayer list, I just wanna admonish you to start. If you don't have a prayer list, I I wanna just challenge you to to write one, to get one. And and that kind of differentiates us and others. Did I lose you? We write down our list, things that we wanna pray about. It helps us to keep balance in what we're doing. I'm not just talking about a list to read through, but just something to remind us that I don't want to get so caught up with me, 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 mine, 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 ours, ours, ours. Amen. I want to 
move now to our, our second portion of this and won't take as long here, but I want to talk about that word hallowed or the holy aspect of the Lord. To hallow means to sanctify or to make something sound or fit or to make it whole. It's something that's special, something that is hallowed. It is holy. God separated from us, amen, and from us sin and filled our spirit, our lives, rather with his spirit, he made us holy, holy, amen. He made us holy. We're not holy within ourselves, amen. The opposite of hallow is to profane or disgrace the name of God. And so the petition could be translated, may your name be holy, hallowed be thy name. May your name be holy. Our primary concern should always be that God's name is revered, that God's name is holy. To hallow the name of God is to recognize, to regard, to proclaim that the name of the Lord is holy. So to be clear, we do not add to God's holiness by no stretch of the imagination in our prayer. We just treat him as holy. When I say holy is thy name, I don't make him more holy by saying that, amen. I just treat him as he should be treated Hallowed, holy is your name. Hallowed be thy name. It kind of balances out our Father. Amen, these two phrases, we see two things here. It's our intimate relationship with God, but it is also our reverent honor to God. He is my Father, but he is holy. He is my Father, but he is righteous. He is my Father, but I need to know that he is my source of strength and my help. Peter writes, sanctify the Lord in your heart. Amen, keep the, the power of God, the name of the Lord, the position of God in right balance in your heart. And so we need to set God apart from everything else that's common, everything else that is profane, and give to him the place that he deserves in our life. I do not want God to just get what's left of my day. Amen. I do not want God to get just what's left of me at the end of the day, but I wanna give God my very best. I wanna give him my very best. I think you understand it by now, but as a church, we do not just wanna haphazardly do something. We don't wanna just launch out and just shoot at it and, and, and just get close, and we just feel like if we get close to the target, that's all right. We wanna give God our very best. If we can get it in tune, Dear Lord, let's get it in tune. If we can get it on time, for God's sake, let's get it on time. If we can do it right for a dollar ninety cent more, let's do it right. Why? Because his name is holy. His name is hallowed. And we ought to honor. We ought to honor. How many would agree with me tonight? Amen. That we are preaching the greatest gospel that this world has ever known. If that be the case, then we don't want to serve it on garbage can lids. If that be the case, then we don't want to slide it on a napkin to somebody. But I want to present it as best we can. Why? Because he's holy and he deserves our very, very, very best. Praise God. Jewish worshipers regarded the, the name of God as utterly sacred. I know you've heard this many times and framed in many different ways, but it bears repeating. It was considered to be irreverent to speak the name of God out loud. There are many names for God in the Bible. Religious leaders ultimately took two names, Adonai, which means the Lord God, and Yahweh, which means I am 
That's what God told Moses, I am. They took the vowels of the first, the consonants of the second, and from that they came up with the word Jehovah. Jehovah. For all intent and purposes, this was a made-up word. It was a made-up word because they did not want to speak the name of God for fear that they would be doing it irreverently. And so when we think about that, that seems very excessive in the 21st century, doesn't it? When everybody just curses and calls on the name of the Lord and curses God and all of these kind of things and they would not curse God, they wouldn't even speak God. And so they made a, a word, if you please, amen, because they felt if they said Jehovah, they could address God without offending the holiness of God. Wow, that seems really way out there. But that's just how much they revered God. It was an act of humility. Amen, I'm I'm baffled at times. My mind struggles to understand what must have been going on in the mind of Isaiah when he beheld the majesty of God. Amen. It wasn't a yippee-yay-yay moment if you know where I am in scripture. He wasn't walking around high-fiving everybody. He wouldn't have been posting it on Facebook or he wouldn't have been putting it on Twitter. He would not been have, have writing some, uh, some journal about this. But when Isaiah saw the majesty of God, he feared. Amen. He was afraid. He trembled. The doors shook everything around him. Why? Amen. Because he walked, he saw the majesty of God and in the majesty of God he said I am undone I am unholy I am unworthy he understood where he stood in the majesty of God amen Amen. he realized he was unworthy amen in most biblical prayers we see this we see worship prior to petition Certain names just kind of evoke concepts or ideas. For, for instance, if we were to just name a few familiar companies or, or even household products that you use in your everyday life, if we were to just mention those names, those names just kind of invoke certain thoughts. If I were to say pledge, <laughs> pledge allegiance, but if I were to say pledge in a household in a household way, you'd be thinking about furniture polish. If I would say certain things, and I'm surprised how many of you men didn't know that. Just disappointed. I'm disillusioned how you many of you men did not know that. You ladies got to tighten up. You got to tighten up. Hey Amen. There, there's just some things we say, and it invokes certain thoughts in our mind. And so when we revere the name of God, when we say the name of the Lord, it ought to invoke by the same token certain things. Hey Amen. There, there were Old Testament writers that, that talked about him, his name. When we say that name, it just kind of brings up certain things in our spirit that he is a counselor. Hey Amen. He is wonderful, that he is a prince of peace, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and he is our hope when all hope is gone. He is our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our way maker. And so when we say God, praise God. When we say 
praise God. That ought to do more than just, than just conjure up in our heart that we just say praise God back like we're playing badminton. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. When we say God, our Father, we ought to thank our counselor, our Father, our rewarder, our God, our rearward, amen, our God, our healer. He is our Father. He is my hope. He is my Father. He's my strength. He's my Father. He's my God. He's my Father. He's my hope. My, my, my. My father, my father, amen. We, we say sometimes of certain people, they made a name for themselves because our name is linked to certain reputations. So some people have a name. When their name is called, it either kind of conjures up positive thoughts or maybe negative thoughts, somewhere in the middle thoughts. Jewish families customarily gave special thought to the names that they chose for their children. You find this replete throughout scripture. They picked names that reflected the character and the qualities that they hoped would develop. And I I believe there's something to that. And I'm not just talking about names maybe literally tonight, but I believe there is something to that. Because if you just keep calling a child, you just tell a child, you're so mean, you're so mean, they'll live up to your expectations. And so when we, what we refer to things as and to people as, it, it, it develops, helps to develop them, I think, in their lives. And I mean, that positive reinforcement and the third commandment tells us not to use God's name lightly or casually or irreverently or to curse or, to, or even in jest. But we are to honor the name of the Lord and all we say and do. And so in our culture, we have reduced, if we're not careful, we have reduced our worship to a certain level of just entertainment. We've kind of, we, church can become that, just... Please bear with me for just a moment, but sometimes we are really worried that people enjoy the service. I get it. And we hope they get something out of this. I get I get it. We want the sermon to be inspiring and the and the music to be pleasant. And I, I understand all of those things and a part of me agrees with all of those things. Because I think we, we do get something from what happens in the course of a service. But really and truly, church is not about us coming to enjoy. It's not about us coming, boy, I sure hope I take something home with me tonight. It, it's really not. It, it's really not... I sure hope my favorite this or that or the other because our purpose for being here first and foremost is to honor the Lord. And I don't want to boil this down to just in your face kind of thing but 
if, if our purpose is to honor God, then who cares who's preaching? Or if the song is fast or slow, or if it's this or that, and if we're not careful, we can get so out of. Amen. This is just an excellent place to ask our musicians to come. Because it just signifies that this thing is eventually going to land. I heard it said that for some people, church is a performance, but the end of the show. The only applause that will matter is the applause that comes from heaven. And I understand every point that I made a moment ago, I am talking to myself more than anyone sitting in this building. I want to make sure that people enjoy the experience. I get that part. We don't want it to be hot in the summer and cold in the winter. We want it to be pleasant. I try very diligently on these nights to make sure that no one drives up to this building to a dark building. I'm gonna make sure that the lights are on. I want people to understand we anticipated your arrival. We thought about you getting here before you got here. Amen. I certainly don't want to just preach and not inspire anybody or to have music that would just turn everybody away. But really and truly, if we make all of those things the focus and forget about God, then we have missed the point. One reason to pray this prayer is that we live in a fallen world that defies and degrades the holy name of God. I understand that for many, many, many of you, you, you work in jobs and you're exposed to things, that language that is just the complete opposite of what you want to hear. You see antics and strings pulled and backs scratched and you see all of these immoral things and unethical things and sometimes even illegal things that are going on and you see how much people just disregard the house of God and the name of God. Amen. So we need to pray all the more our Father which art in heaven. Amen. Can we stand? We pray hallowed be thy name. I, I, I don't want to discredit or take away from anything that's been said up to now but I want to say hallowed be thy name because his name is holy and all of those things. But for everyone that uses the name of God in vain, I want to meet that by saying hallowed be thy name. (laughs) Wonder what would happen on your job Every time somebody cursed the name of you of God, you said, Hallowed be, hallowed be thy name. You know who the oddball would be, don't you? Go ahead and get ready to put the hat on. I'm not saying that we should just get in a debate about that, but I just want to say, Hallowed be thy name. And so for every cursing of his name, I want to hallow his name. I want to hallow his name. 
Amen. I'm going to tell you that I've prayed for God to move in this service all throughout the service, but I've asked him to meet with us right here at this point in the service. And I don't think he's going to do that because he's my buddy. But I asked my father to meet me here. <laughs> I asked my daddy before church to meet me here, right here at this place in the service. Amen. You want to join my dad and I tonight? You want to join my dad and I and come around the front of this building? Amen. Come around this altar area. Amen. Please join us tonight. Amen. My dad promised that he would meet us here. Praise God. Your dad promised he would meet us here. Our Father which art in heaven. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. <laughs> Thank you, God. 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 Thank you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.